Hey everyone, and welcome back to the MM Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum, and uh, we got a big one for you today. It's going to be a two-parter, uh, free agent frenzy recap. We were going to be going through everything from whenever we were last recorded, which was uh, about a day after the Seattle expansion draft, I want to say. We kind of touched on that. I think there's going to be a lot more to talk about, but not in this episode, because uh uh, this is the Eastern side, so we're going to do the Eastern one. We're going to record them back-to-back and post them a day apart, but uh, we're starting to record at 9.50 on a Tuesday night, so we decided, considering both episodes are probably going to be at least an hour, very likely more, uh, we're going to spread this out a little bit. Uh, we're going to record the East tonight. I'm hoping to get this up, so hopefully it's up by Wednesday, and then we're going to try and record the West on Wednesday evening, and I'm hoping to have it up Thursday during the day at some point. So, um, yeah, look out for that. Uh, the, the West will be coming out, I would hope, within 24 hours or whenever you're listening to this. But uh, there's plenty that's happening in the East. So we figured the easiest way, instead of going deal by deal and trying to jump every which way, um, we're simply going to go on cap friendly, go Boston, Buffalo, Detroit, Florida, all the way down, then obviously jump to the Metro as well. And uh, we're just going to look at every team, what they gained, what they lost, uh, you know, give our takes on the contracts, on their offseason as a whole. Um, you know, all that good stuff. If there was any trades, all, all that stuff. So um, let's get right into it, Chase. Uh, let's start with the Boston Bruins. Um, an interesting one because, you know, I, I think I've, I was listening, like, I, I, this feels like it got more praise than I think it deserves. I am not sold that this, they had a great off season. I think they made some, some really good moves and some moves I'm really not too sure about. Yeah, I think it kind of speaks to the faith in the team because, like, I think Leafs Twitter would have had a shit fit if this was their offseason. Yes, but also because, like, Leafs Twitter, like, th- this core has been past the first round and made a Stanley yeah. Cup final three years ago, right? But, like, so, like, I, we'll go through them one by one. Like, I thought the Taylor Hall one that, um, you know, is given the reports kind of feels like where it was signing. It's clearly a discount. He could have probably got like a seven by seven on the open market easy, but seems to like it in Boston takes less term. And honestly, I think a little less money. Um, and I think this is a great fit for both sides for Taylor Hall. You know, he still makes um, $24 million and he's already made a career 52. So it's not like he's hurting for cash, but for Boston, you get a very good player and um, for under market value, really. Oh yeah. It's, fantastic for Boston and it it might even work out beautifully for Hall too he gets to try to win with what's left of his prime with a team that's still at the tail end of his prime that's still in it much like he most likely is and even if it's just as a journeyman he still gets more cracks at other contracts after this because it ends so early yeah exactly um yeah he really has the open and I mean one would think he will probably play pretty well on that second line throughout this contract. So when he's 33, yeah, I can absolutely see him either going if he wants to take one year shots at cups or um, if some team wants to give him another two or three year deal, I don't think that'll be out. Uh, and then I'll bounce to the other one. I really like, I thought Mike Riley for three by three was a, a very, very solid deal. I think he's shown that he's a very solid second pair defenseman. And um, you know, I, I'm a little worried about their blue line just overall, but I thought locking him up was uh, um, pretty smart. Yeah, I love this. And you just knew Mike Riley. Mike Riley was going to be the value contract of the day on the blue line. Yeah, like it just it feels like he's been underrated all year. I mean, I remember when he first started the year in Ottawa, he was an absolute mess. And then by like 15 games in, people were like, oh, you know what? This actually uh, is not that bad. Um, like he's and then it got to the point where it's like, oh, this is like really good, like to the point where you could almost consider re-signing him. And they didn't. And I don't really have an issue with that. But 
great contract for Boston. Yeah, seems fantastic for them. He's exactly what they need. Like, they just need – because they have McAvoy who can carry that top pair with basically anyone. And you just need competent players to play on that second pair. And that's exactly what Mike Riley was, like, made in the lab for. Just be, like, the ideal competent second pair defenseman. Yep, exactly. So, um, from there, we'll get into the one. And this is, I think, going to be a longer team that we're talking about because they just – they really did a lot. Um, But let's get into now the other moves. And this is where I start to – I'm not so sure. I I get – I don't know. Part of me gets that, uh, you know, they kind of didn't have an option, but the other part of me kind of wonders what they're doing. So they let uh, Nick Ritchie and Andre Cache walk and they end up bringing in Nick Felino and Charlie Coyle uh, and Nick Felino gets two by 3.8. Um, sorry, not Charlie Coyle. Um, Eric Halla, he gets two by 2.375 and uh, we'll start with the Felino one and just, I don't know. Like, I, I think I personally would have, I know they, they really like the fact that Felino can play left wing center or right wing. Um, but I would have taken Richie at uh, two by two or whatever he got with or 2.2 by five, whatever he got with Toronto, instead of paying an extra uh, mill and a bit to get Nick Felino, who I really don't think is a better player at this stage of his career. Exactly. And even if you had to outbid Toronto and pay 275 for or 2.75 for him or whatever, like I'd still way rather have Richie. Richie's almost certainly the better player today and he's younger by a decade, probably or close to it. Yeah. Like he was, a, he was an RFA. Like they could have just yeah. qualified it. Like literally, like, I don't know what his qualifying offer would have been, but I don't think it could have been much more. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, so I, I like, I just, I, I really don't understand that move. And then I just don't really think Eric Hall is all that good. Like he, might be a fine fourth liner and maybe that's what they'll play him as but like for 2.3 million it just it feels like the money would have been better used elsewhere again like just keep nick ritchie for that price exactly because all is just like perennially mediocre and then the other thing with felino is the main reason the felino thing famously didn't work out in toronto was he got hurt well hurt 33 year old power forward signing contracts and unrestricted free agency for multiple years don't notoriously end well no, not at all. Like that three, that, yeah, that next year could look a little ugly with 3.8. And it'll be interesting too, because Bergeron will be up next year. He'll be 37. I can't see him taking a pay cut, but, um, you know, like with this team, it wouldn't even shock me if Bergeron barely takes a pay raise. But, um, you know, I, I think there is an avenue, and we'll get into the OV contract later, but just giving comparables, there's an avenue where he could be like, no, I want $8 million or whatever, right? So, um, yeah, or the you know, faction one will be a big comparable for him. Yeah, or like Blake Wheeler or whatever, right? Like, exactly. Like he, it's the ball's in his court because he could easily sign for like six and a half or seven, or like if he wants nine and a half for a couple of years, they're probably going to give it to him. Yeah, you would think so. So, um, and then obviously they lose David Krejci as well up front, and, and that's a huge hit. He uh, has decided to go back to the Czech Republic and, and play with his family, or with his family, in front of his family and be closer to his family, and that's fair enough. But, um, you know, that'll be a pretty big loss too. I, I don't think Krejci is necessarily what he was, you know, three years ago or, you know, even when they went to the Cup. But at the same time, they don't really have a, a two-seater to replace him. And people were kind of talking, like, Felino as that, like, backup option and the drop from Krejci to Felino feels like it could be a rough one. Yeah, hundred percent. Cause like, like you said, Krejci's not what he used to be. He's not the ideal to see any anymore. Like he kind of used to be or whatever, but just having someone who, you know, can play those 20 minutes or whatever it works out to a night 
And just tread water even at worst is pretty valuable relative to just praying Nick Foligno is going to transfer from the ring, winged up the middle and like excel there. Yeah. And like he, I know he played the middle a little bit in Columbus, but I don't think it was as efficient as a second line centerman. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I'd be very skeptical that the Bruins have someone good enough to play 2C in the NHL left on their roster beyond my era. Bergeron, I guess obviously. I guess maybe what they're doing is that they could hope that like Taylor Hall and like Craig Smith can just kind of carry Foligno, carry him, which yeah. like, like or like you drop Pasternak down and play him with Hall and then Marshan Bergeron and like Smith or something on the first line. Yeah, or like Coil returns to form, maybe. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like I, it's not a bad team, but. Um, you know, and then we'll get in the blue line. Like they, they give Derek Forbert three by three. I don't, uh, Lambert made a great point on puck soup and uh, the PDO cast. I think he was on as well. And he goes, how do GMs evaluate defensemen? Because like the same one in Don Sweeney looks at Mike Riley goes three by three, gives him a great contract. Then looks at Derek Forbert, who the Winnipeg Jets said, we don't want and said, yeah, that deserves the exact same contract. I just gave Mike Riley. It's like, how are these two players equal? Yeah, exactly. Like he gives them almost a bet. He does give them a better contract by definition. Like it's like, how do you look at those things equally and what goes through your head to have to pay that? Yeah, I have absolutely no idea what kind of a thought process leads you to to signing Derek Forward. Like he's never even had like a Mike Riley year because like Mike Riley was a guy who also had horrible underlying numbers at one point in his life. But like recently they've looked really good. Like it's not even like Forbert was like a Corsi God three years ago in LA or something. He's just looked horrible his entire career. Yeah. Like I, I just, I really don't get it. And then uh, the big move obviously was um, uh, letting Halak go and bringing in uh, Lennis Olmark for four years at 5 million per. This was a big payday for him. Good for him. I wasn't really expecting him to get quite that much. Um, I thought Olmark maybe would have been a good target for the Leafs, but not at that price. I think that's a little aggressive, but uh, I'm curious to see, think we, uh, see what you think because I'm a lot lower on him than I think even stats people are, or maybe just normal people are. I get like it's so it's so hard to be only so good in Buffalo or whatever, and like he was pretty solid this past year, but I'm a little skeptical at paying him that much money, but uh, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty skeptical. And like, because the big problem is right now he's their only goalie signed. And I don't like he hasn't had a two year stretch. If you, he's had one two year stretch in his entire career where he's played enough games to make him a starter. Yeah, it'll be, it'll probably be him and Jeremy Swayman uh, as a tandem, who's the 22 year old who is like their star prospect. And he came out and played 10 games last year at a 945 save percentage. So again, like just a super small sample, but in the past couple of years, he's like, he looked really good at the university of Maine. And then in nine games last year in Providence, he also posted a 933. So I would assume the idea is like, hopefully all Mark can start 50 and you can let Swayman start. And then Tuka's out till January. So there's a possibility if he's feeling good, they circle back on him, I guess, come January. Yeah, that could be like Tuca's your contingency plan, basically. Yeah, or like maybe, yeah, like maybe you plan on signing him no matter what. And then it just depends, you know, do you go three goalies or do you go two goalies or whatever? And then you figure it out from there. Like that would be the best case scenario for them. I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Like I think this team will still be good, but 
Um, you know, I think it was puck soup again, where like all three of them thought they had a really great off season and took another step forward in the uh, Atlantic, or at least kept pace. And I, I don't think they really kept pace. Like at best, that's what they did. I think they took a slight step back if anything. Yeah, I think they did too. And there's also this funny thing. This happens in like football too. You hear where talk about older players, anybody who ages relatively well, people just pretend they don't age and they say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. But like Patrice Bergeron is likely to get marginally worse next year. And so is Marchand. Like this team's core is in a place where they need to get actively better over the off season, just to tread water, given the age of a lot of their important players. Yeah. And it's like, how much better can you expect Charlie McAvoy to get? Like he's already a top five defenseman, you know? And like, exactly. Same with Pasternak. Like, maybe he can take the jump to like bona fide number one, but at 25 years old, it's a pretty good bet. He's just solidly a top three winger in the game, which you will never ever complain about. But it's like him, if he stays at that exact same thing, you're still going to notice if Bergeron or Marchand regress a little bit because, you know, he's got to pick up that slack. A hundred percent. There's also this weird narrative that Bergeron hasn't aged when Bergeron was like the third best forward in the league at the one, at one point, not that long ago. And he is absolutely not that anymore. He's not even a top three center. Yeah. Like, is he in your top 10? Oh, probably doing a top 10 centers list this year. I would assume he's probably on the edge, but I'd have to look into it much more than that. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the time there was time you could have him too. And it's not even that hot of a take. No. And like now he's not top five at all definitely not a top five if you put him like nine i'd be like sure i might yeah. have 11 but yeah or something. like it's a good point so um well that was already almost 14 minutes on the first team so uh they probably <laughs> won't all be that long boston was a really active team i i, I don't know i don't hate their offseason it kind of feels like they had to make some moves the forbert one was ugly i just don't really agree with you know i like you got to change some stuff up but i just think throwing money at felino and Halla when you had better replacements internally like and, and the the cachet one's fine because he was so injured that like whatever like you yeah, know what like the the richie one i really don't get because you just went and got two worse versions of him basically so um we'll see how it goes like the, i would still i'm gonna have them making the playoffs but i i did tweet like i think there was a lot of people bitching about like toronto and how they might miss the playoffs or whatever i think boston's more likely to miss the playoffs if any team's gonna take a giant step back out of the quote unquote big three in the Atlantic. I think it's Boston before it's Toronto. Oh, hundred percent. I guarantee you Toronto's gonna have better cup odds and division odds and all of those things than Boston next year. Yeah, like I don't know how you'd bet this, but like I would be more comfortable betting the Leafs to win the division than miss playoffs. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I I wouldn't bet on the Leafs winning the or turn like they shouldn't be the odds on favorite, but like I think like, I just don't think they're going to make miss the playoffs. But, like, if Tampa has a couple injuries this year and the Leafs get high, we know they're a good regular season team. But that's a different discussion for later in the summer. Uh, let's move on to the team that Boston signed the goalie of, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. And we will get into this with Arizona, too. I also tweeted, I was like, it's kind of crazy to think that um, seven years ago, the Sabres and the Coyotes were two of the teams absolutely tanking the hardest for McDavid. And they are now about to do it again for Shane Wright in uh, – 2022 um but that is clearly what the Sabres are doing they are cleaning house this offseason and Eichel will be the next piece no doubt about it um let's start up front I guess um I think we broke down the Sam Reinhardt trade if I'm not mistaken um, 
I can check the date of that as well. Um, but actually, you know, what, while I check the data, let's start at the back. So the best way to tank, and you, you've mentioned this a couple of times, and I think it is really smart, is you don't want to completely dismantle your team like Buffalo did in 2015, because you need actual good guys to surround your rookies right away when they're coming in. So your rookies don't have to do just everything by themselves, right? Um, but a good way to tank is by having some decent players that can play well and just getting the shittiest goaltending you possibly can. And oh yeah. my word, that is what Buffalo looks like they are about, they are doing right now. Yeah, I don't want to go as far to say as they're going to get PBO'd on purpose because the rest of this roster is so bad. I'm sure they'll have like a 45% XG at best, but like their goaltending looks like the weak spot of the worst roster in the league. So they, they've clearly taken at least part of that statement to heart. Washington's GM fully said he plans, Craig Anderson plans on retiring. And Buffalo was like, here's 750K, come be our starter for a year. And they now have an Aaron Dell, Craig Anderson tandem where like, I think their prospect, uh, Uko Pekka Lukanen, I believe I'm saying his name, right? I might've butchered it. The 22 year old though, who's supposed to be their goal, goal, like really good goalie prospect. He's apparently supposed to uh, come up eventually. But like, I, again, why would you want to start him in this shit show and play him here all year? So they're probably just going to be one of the worst, like, this has the potential, I think, with an Eichel trade to be like what Detroit was a couple years in that shortened season from COVID, like that 39-point Detroit team, but like just legitimately over an 82-game season. Oh, 100%. They – I got like super into hockey again the year after the McEichel tank, so I can't be fully confident in this opinion, but they might be as bad as the McEichel tank Sabres. Yeah, like just in terms of goals, like plus minus goal stuff like that, it absolutely yeah. could be. Like pending, assuming I'm, they don't want multiple like decent roster players back for Eichel, which I think would be really stupid if they do. Like they're going to look just horrible. Oh, they're going to be bad. But like I, I do think that like that make Eichel tank, I do remember it being like if a guy scored a goal for the Buffalo Sabres, he was getting traded. <laughs> yeah like, didn't they trade one of their goalies because he had like a 9 12 or something yeah like it was uh i can't even remember but they and they actively traded for evander kane because he was injured for the rest of the year too like they said that yeah. was a big part in them trade trading for him like it's just like yeah like that was a bad team but it, the fact that it's like we can even maybe make that comparison uh speaks a lengths about how bad this team is going to be yeah it's gonna be horrible there's just nothing left no, and, like, it's to the point where, like, I almost feel bad. Like, I hope they have a contingency plan to, like, splash some money around in the summer just for, like, a couple years because, like, I don't hate Kyle Ocposo and, like, Jeff Skinner, but, like, I guess they're, like, going to count on, like, Victor Olofsson being, like, a JVR type for when their rookies get in the league. But they almost feel like they're doing the exact same thing over again where it doesn't feel like they're going to have that many guys to surround the rookies. And, like, like I feel like people forget when with Toronto – the first year and a half, Matthews did not play any tough competition. No, that was Kadri's whole thing. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, and like even like they was like JVR more responsibility than he should ever have had defensively as a winger. But then like as soon as they realized they could take the step, they let them take the step. But they heavily sheltered their rookies for the first year, and it was super smart because it let them adjust. But like 
if you don't have the players to do it, it doesn't really help because the thing about Toronto's is like, there was a couple times where it's like, yeah, maybe Kadri shouldn't be playing shutdown one C, but he was good enough at it where they weren't losing four, nothing every night. Right. So. Exactly. And it's one of those things where when you have a Kadri like that, he played, like it gets a little bit overrated when him playing huge shutdown minutes, because when Austin Matthews scoring 40 goals, like Matthews does get the tough matchups on the road, at least. Yeah. But like it's still nice to just have the matchup option at home that you don't have to pin your best guys. And like the Sabres have cousins this time, but they also had Sam Reinhart going into the last one, who was a blue chip prospect. So it's yeah. not like that's this huge thing that, oh, we've learned we have this one great prospect at least because they did to go in with their cornerstone piece and it still ended up horribly for them. Yeah, so um, I think this will be another episode we'll have to get into later this summer, too. In terms of actual signings, I didn't mind the Vinny Hinestroza one, one year, one mil. That seems like a pretty fine bet. Um, yeah, he seems like the type of guy who can get his point totals on track uh, playing on the power play, and then yep. you trade him for a third-round pick or something like that at the deadline for some team who had their third-line scoring winger get hurt. The elite right D right wing on cap friendly, Mark Pissick as well. One year, 900 K again, feels like a guy that can eat some minutes on the second or third pair. And then you could probably flip them for a pick at the deadline for, to be a team sixth defenseman going into the playoff run. Exactly. Whichever team wants that shutdown guy on their third pair, you'd be like, we have the guy for you. Yep, exactly. And then other than that, they really did nothing of note. So we can move on. Um, they're going to suck this year. I don't think that is a secret. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, so the next team will be the Detroit Red Wings, a team that is also very bad. Speaking um, of very bad and did nothing of note. Yeah, they really, uh, they gave Thomas Grice 3.6 million. And we talked about that Nadelkovic trade as well. Um, exactly. That's the I, only interesting thing they really did. Basically. And then they picked up Nick Letty. We had talked about that already. Um, and that Who's is contract. Yeah, I get like that. Pia Suter was fine, 3.25. I was almost as, as a sense man, I was disappointed Ottawa wasn't in on that. Yeah, this was a nice enough deal for a team like this. They signed a guy who's like a probably a good 3C or a meh 2C to money that pays him like he's a probably a good 3C to a meh 2C. <laughs> yeah, like a 3C. And like, even if it doesn't work out, they have so much cap space that they don't really need right now, anyways, that it's not going to hurt them. Exactly. It just worked out pretty well. It's not they, like signed, they, they signed Tyler Bertuzzi to a two-year 4.75 as well. That was their big move of the offseason, was re-signing their own guy, I guess. Yeah, which is another thing where, like, Tyler, Tyler Bertuzzi's just, like, a, a decent second-line winger, and he got decent second-line winger money. Like, they just had the most boring offseason in the world. Yeah, like, literally. It was, like, it, that's a fine contract for two years. Like, if it was a different team signing it, I would have been like, ah, maybe it's a little much, but – whatever they have literally 25 million projected cat like they need to sign another player to hit the floor i'm pretty sure so yeah, they're, they're probably still go, so yeah they'll they'll yeah. they'll have someone else to um great that that made up some time i think we're back on track it's supposed to be about four minutes a team 4.5 minutes a team if we want to hit a 75 minute episode so um I'll, I'll be trying to keep us rolling here but uh florida panthers are up next um again we, we talked about the reinhardt trade and, and i think we talked last year just or last week about how we um, thought that, uh, you know, this was a pretty good offseason for them and that they uh, probably shouldn't be automatically tossed away as the fourth best team in this division either. And um, 
they didn't do too much on free agency day. They re-signed Carter Verhage to a three-year deal that pays him 4.1 on average uh, for the next three years, but that doesn't kick in until next season. I'm interested to see how that works out. Um, I like that bet more than the other one that they made, which was Sam Bennett. Um, I don't even know if we touched on that, but he got four times 4.4. And if we did touch on that, I'm sorry, I'll touch on it quickly again. That's just a ton of money to be throwing at a guy that like had 15 game, good games in your system and three to four or four or five years of data that he's not that good outside of your system. So I will be interested to see how that works. And I, I think we did talk about it because it was the same discussion with Brandon Montour, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Cause like the, I, I like the Verhaggy bet, not a ton of evidence on him either way. And they didn't pay him even as if last year was legit. Yeah. Like it's not like they were tossing him six by six or anything like that. Like they gave him three by four point something. And I mean, like, I get, like, if you look at it, like he had 36 points in 43 games last year, which is absolutely nothing to scoff at. And then, you know, you run the risk of, uh, and that, like, that's a 72 point pace over 82. If he does 70 again this year, he could say he's got back to back, on pace for 70 point seasons. Like you're paying him a lot more than $4 million at that point. Exactly. Whereas just as like a 50 point winger, you're still perfectly happy to pay a 26 year old 50 point ish winger. Yeah. Hell, maybe it was the 40 to 45, but he's got like respectable uh, possession numbers. Like, I don't think you're that angry at that. So no, like that's, that's a very easy contract to justify. Even if he regresses pretty hard. Yep. So um, yeah, I've liked their off season overall. I think, um, you know, I, I thought they needed a um, that extra piece, and Sam Reinhart will be that. We still don't have a contract for him, but that's okay. I'm sure it'll come. Um, yeah. I mean, Connect- I will- Go ahead. Connecting this back to the Boston thing, it would not shock me if Dom writes his preseason article and says the Panthers are a better bet given certain odds to win the division than Boston. Boston, assuming Boston will have more, like their line is set as if they're more likely to win, Florida ends up being the better bet, if that makes sense. Yeah, like there's more value to be betting Florida, even if it's not the most likely thing to come. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, that wouldn't be surprising to me either. I think that uh, just given the market things, although I do think people are pretty high on Florida, generally speaking now, but um, I will be curious to see if people think last year was more of a fluke and especially with how they went out in the playoffs or if they do respect this as a legitimately good team. And, um, you know, there's definitely some question marks, but I I do think they're a a solid team and I haven't hated their offseason. I think, you know, like the Bennett and Montour ones, I feel like we've gone through these, but they're both little questionable contracts, but neither of them are going to absolutely sink the team either. Exactly. And like, yeah, if you weren't convinced they were fully real, like Sam Reinhardt's great. So at best, they stayed the same. Or at worst, they stayed the same. They probably got like marginally better. So even if they take a marginal step back, they still end up in the same spot. Yep, exactly. Um, next theme is the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, a couple things to talk about in terms of signings. Um, but let's talk about first the absolutely gutless release of the statement at 1230 on the busiest day of the freaking year in the hockey world. Um we, we talked about the, the draft thing, obviously, at length last uh, um, last episode. And so, I, like, we don't really need to get into it too much more here. But just the fact that they knew it was – they needed to release a statement to make the sponsors 
um, not worry as much. And you could tell they don't actually give a shit. I mean, it was clearly obvious the whole time, but like, if you need just that one more piece of evidence doing it at 1230 on literally the busiest hour of the year, it's just the biggest Friday news dump that you could ever do. Oh, just an absolute scum move to put it then. Although it kind of made me wonder, like, you're definitely right. Like, what kind of sponsor is, you know, like convinced by that statement or like, like who does that comfort or? Well, like, I feel like, right the, word, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I feel like some of the sponsors probably weren't going to pull out anyways, but now that they have that, it's like, Oh, look, no, they say it's uh they say it's going to, he says he's going to fix it or whatever. Right. Like, um, not that that's right either. I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like the sponsors probably don't care as much as we think they do either. They're just trying to protect their personal brand too. Yeah, that's probably true. Cause it's not like it was a national, I guess Trudeau tweeted about it, but it still wasn't like a national story. I would say. Yeah, like it, it uh, I don't know. It definitely got more play in Montreal because it's it's on the team, right? But it's not like it was like the Blue Jays or Raptors doing this because that's what all of Canada watches, right? So exactly. Like I, I think of national stories. Like if I, my mom, if I asked her, would she know? Like she's the type of sports fan who knows like the main news and like she'll know who Simone Biles is, but not anything like super in depth. Like I don't think she'd have any clue what happened here. Right that's yeah. what my proxy is like would the average person actually know and i don't think that's true which is generally what sponsors are going to care about yeah that's fair um trying to think of there's ah uh, yeah they did make some signings so we'll get into the hockey aspect of things uh you know it just feels like they are absolutely going to take a step back but um up front they resigned they, they signed mike hoffman um, because if there's one thing the 2017 into 2018 Ottawa Senators taught you, it's that you need a Mike Hoffman after a Cinderella <laughs> run in the playoff, playoffs. He has never destroyed a locker room at all. And um, it sounds like he is just the biggest douche in the world. Like, like you know how like sometimes, like with Dougie Hamilton, it's like people throw around buzzwords or it's like, ah, I don't know, he just doesn't have the heart. Like there's just something about him that we don't really like. And it's just like, just admit it, he's just a nerd that pisses you off because he doesn't go booze with the boys every weekend. Every organization Mike Hoffman leaves, all that comes out is like, this dude was just the biggest prick as a teammate. And like, to the point where it's like, now it's basically like, fool me once, like shame on me. And then a second time, okay, third time, it's like, yeah, I, I think we have a fucking trend here, you know? I can't believe they gave him term given all that. Now they're clearly not the best judges of character. I'm going to say, yes, they, it's not like they actually care about character, but like, I, it just like, even cause like, like it, it takes a lot to piss off hockey. Well, not a lot, but you know, it takes a lot to uh, keep getting money like this when you break the hockey code, quote unquote, or whatever. But Mike Hoffman, you know, you know, he's good at putting the puck in the net. He's not good at anything else, but he's good at putting the puck in the net. So that's kind of why he keeps signing them. But as for the signing, like it should help their power play, but they can't play him above like four fourth line at five on five. Yeah, he's a cancer at five on five at this point. <laughs> he's like, and- he's like, we have Ovi at home. <laughs> like when it's like <laughs> I want Alex. Like, uh, yeah, it's like I want Alex Ovechkin. It's like we have Ovechkin at home. That's what Mike Hoffman is. A hundred percent. And you, the weirdest is you think after the playoff run, you you'd want to transition to like 
Caulfield being your main shooter on the power play. That would be my, that's how I would have looked at this year's playoff run, but they clearly don't believe that given they gave him four and a half and term. Yeah. And like, I don't know, maybe, maybe the other thing is that I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Caulfield shoots right and Hoffman shoots left. So like you can have two two options with the one timer or whatever on the power play, which I don't think would be a horrible option, but yeah, I was just like Hoffman just feels like the type of guy who should have been getting 4.5 by one every single year, pissing off the organization and getting kicked out. But, um, you know, they decide to go for term. And then they also signed David Savard to four years at 3.5 bit rich. I thought, um, I, I don't really know what to think of David Savard, to be honest. Like, I don't know why, but I think David Savard is the Habs free agent signing on the blue line. If there's ever been a Habs free agent signing on the blue line, this is just peak Bergevin, this signing. For some reason, I thought he was good analytically, and he has just been shit analytically for like three years now. Yeah, and they gave him too much too much money and too much term. Just vintage Bergevin here. Yeah. Okay, two years. He was good. He was really good in 2018-19, but this year he was like – God awful, and that includes with Tampa Bay, but like it, it literally does fit the t- Toronto or Montreal mold because the one thing he was good at is XGA per sixty against. Yeah, like yeah, so like sorry, expected goals against per sixty, right? Like that's and that kind of fits the Habs blue line of like we just have a bunch of big defensemen that kind of prevent chances from happening, but don't really help anything in the transition game, and that's what we're going with. Exactly, and like. At some point, it's going to kill them because they can't keep doing these things. I've, I'm very excited to cheer against this team next year. Yes, it's a very dislikable team, like yeah. as if they weren't before. They definitely are now. Yeah, as Leafs and Habs fans, not like we need any extra ammo to – or Leafs and Sen fans, not like we need extra ammo to hate the Habs. But Yeah, but um, – They're here for us. Yeah, uh, I think that's enough on them, I would say. Uh, yeah. Let's go to another team that uh, if we if we didn't have a fan of one of the team uh, one of them, like I'm a fan of the Senators. We're there now. We would not be talking about this team too much, I don't think. And I still don't think we need to talk about this team too much. Uh, they do end up trading Evgeny Dadanov. Uh, I don't think we got to talk about that. I believe that was the first day of free agency. Um, yeah. yeah. So the, yeah. So they trade Dadanov to the um, uh, Golden Knights, and they get a pick and. Uh, um, uh, Nick Holden back in the, in the trade um, more than I thought they were going to get. It was a second round pick, I believe, or a third round pick, I believe, um, which I was really expecting when they were salary dumping him basically for two more years that they were going to get like a seventh back. And that's basically it. But, you know, Holden's not a bad defender and the third round pick in a loaded draft is not a horrible return for a guy they clearly did not want. Yeah, 100%. I really like this trade from Sen's perspective, and you get to save Eugene Melnick, some of the almighty dollar. Yeah, and then, now, I am worried because they also then signed Michael Delzato to a two-year, $2 million deal per. I don't understand this one. Holden can play the right side, but it literally looks like they are going to be uh, moving Victor Mete um, and maybe, or maybe even Eric Branstrom. Um, I'm not really sure because their left side is very crowded now and I don't really know what you do. And I like the Holden signing. I thought he brought something that they don't really have. And he's on one year at 1.7. You could flip that. Yeah. Best going, case scenario, you Mike Riley Holden. Get yeah. Him fourth of the deadline or whatever. But going out and actively identifying that you need a Michael Delzato who does basically what 
Branstrom and Mete do, but way worse at 31. Yeah, at 31 for two years. I really, really do not understand that at all. It was, and this is hard to do with a two-year, $2 million contract. One of the stupidest contracts in the entire free agency, given the context of the Senator's blue line, I think. Yeah, like it's just like it's 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 just the classic like it's not going to kill you. But like four of these moves, which I seem to do every offseason is why you just kind of spin your tires in the mud is like at best the eighth best team in the East and at worst like a bottom 10 team. And like for a team that claims they want to see actual result changes this year and like compete for a wild card, I just. This was not the way to do it. Like, I, I love the dad not. I don't love, like, I think it would have been fine to let dad not play it out, but to get a third for a guy like that who really didn't have a good year, whatever, you could eat. Like, I would just would have rather them use that money to go get Pia Suter or someone or like go sign another winger to replace dad and on the right side because they're really just banking that Connor Brown is going to repeat a season and be a legitimate top six guy next year. And I don't think that's a very good bet to be making if you're trying to be an actual good team. No, not if you're trying to compete. If you're trying to like half rebuild and just say, fuck it, we're still happy to pick like top or still trying to pick like top three, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Like it just, I don't know. Like it just would have made more sense two years ago, but it doesn't really now, you know, like. No, not at all. But uh, I don't know. Um I, I don't, it, it is what it is. Like a free agency, I always say, is the one day a year I am so happy that Eugene Nolnix is a cheap son of a bitch because they can't really give themselves into contracts that really uh, um, screw themselves over. Like the Del Zotto yeah. one, it's not great, but at the end of the day, like it is what it is. It's not going to kill your franchise. Yeah, 100%. It's one thing that always gets looked over because everybody understands that free agencies bad but also gets mad when their team doesn't make like a lot better on free agency day and i don't understand how those two things are true in people's mind at the same time yeah it's like yeah they're like we want you to go or sorry it's like yeah we don't want you to sign bad contracts but then as soon as july 1st comes around every year it's like why don't you go get the top four guys on the market it's like well take a look at how many years any one of the top five guys on the market actually have a good contract in three years like Exactly. Any contract with term, go look at the amount of players left in the league at that age. And the answer is always there are way fewer good players than you'd expect at any yeah. age. It starts with a number larger than three. Yeah, I bet you it's like a 20% hit rate, maybe 25. Yeah, and by the time you get to that age, the good ones left. It's like, oh yeah, Shea Weber's good, slam dunk Hall of Famer. Bergeron's good, Hall of Famer, like those kind yeah. of things. Literally. So um, let's move on to Tampa. Uh, they had a bunch of minor signings, but it really helped their team. Uh, and then they had one really big one. They casually just extended Braden Point eight years, 9.5, then the Nikita Kucherov contract. And now they have him absolutely locked in. He is making 1.4 less than Mitch Marner, uh, which is freaking hilarious, and signed for three more years than he did. Um, this isn't taxes again. If it was taxes, Florida would not have to pay Sam Bennett four by four. Um, Dallas would not have to pay Tyler Sagan 9.5 or whatever the hell he signed for. Uh, it is just Tampa being a f- unreal organization that people want to play for and um, being smart with their cap. Yeah, 100%. I wrote my final fourth-year paper on this. Taxes play a small but relatively insignificant amount. I think 
my best guess was that this based on this contract was it'd be like 9.6 mil in a higher tax environment so like that is not the reason why at all this is yeah. one of the best contracts in the league <laughs> i think i think dom like dom lachision's model had it as like the best contract projected over the next eight years, like all the way to the end of it, the best value out of any contract in the league. I can see it because it's, it's so cheap and there's extra years on it. So even if you expect McDavid to be a bigger surplus, there's only, there's two fewer years or three fewer years, whatever it is. That would definitely yeah, make sense. Like this is just an awesome deal. Yeah. And then also the, the fun thing was the worst one also got signed this off season. If you can guess who that is. Seth Jones. Seth Jones. Yeah, that yeah. is the the projected least amount of value given over the contract. But uh, that I see too. This is yeah. so expensive. But for Tampa, they re-signed a bunch of their rookies that are probably going to come up and just be unreal. Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, Alex Barre, Boulay, uh, Cal Foot. Like all four of those guys, you've kind of heard of, which automatically means now that they have them at three years of seven point seven hundred fifty k. They're just going to become all-stars out of nowhere. Um, actual NHL players, obviously how foot is, but he signed a two-year 850K, which again is just insane. Corey Perry signs two years at one mil per, and Zach Bogosian comes back for three years at 850K. Um, again, like I actually think that's smart because extending it so it's at the variable limit actually makes it a better deal than having to pay him two mil for one year or whatever. Yeah, I completely agree. I love what they did there. Extend the term out and get that below variable so that there's almost, other than a roster spot, basically no downside to the contract. Yep, and then they also managed to trade Tyler Johnson for Brett Seabrook's contract, and they sent a second rounder in 2023 uh, also to uh, to Chicago. Chicago took on the entire contract, uh, no retained. Um, which means now they have no second, no third, no fourth this year, no second this year, but they do have two first rounders in a row to work with. Um, if they want to add something big again at the deadline, uh, they also signed Pierre Edward Belmar. Like this team is just, it's, I, I, I want to dislike this team, but I just love how they handle the cap. Yeah. I, it's, it's like a respectful dislike. Cause like, obviously yes. you don't want to see them three Pete or whatever, but it, but like, like I kind of do like, like it's good when smart people get rewarded. I think yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's like yeah, like for the but like I almost want to see them three B because it's so hard to do that in this league and like just I don't know. But like obviously at the same time, it's not the fun narrative to cheer, cheer for either, right? Like no, it's not the fun narrative. But like between two neutral parties, I know a lot of people really love Cinderellas, but it's just like. Mark Bergevin donks off trades and draft picks constantly and ends up in the cup final against the most well-run organization in the sport by a country mile. Like I'm cheering for the most well-run organization in the sport. Like they deserve to be rewarded for this. Yeah, absolutely. And like this offseason was just the classic repeat of, huh, I'd love to see Tampa wiggle out of this situation. And then they wiggle out of it very easily. And honestly, I'm I'm, like, is their team better than it was last year? It's not worse. That's for sure. Probably not better. Probably not better because they, they did lose Coleman and Goudreau, which as overpaid as they got, those are actual useful players. I don't know if Belmar or Corey Perry um, or even, you know, like Bogosian will fill gaps that the guys they lost, but they're not very much worse. That's for sure. Yeah. And relative to the regular season, they're getting 
Nikita freaking Kucherov back. So <laughs> yes. Better. Yes. Yeah. Like their their regular season finish will definitely be. I, I feel very confident saying it'll be better than third in their own division, which is what they had last year. Um. So yeah. They again just a honestly a very good off season is what just we come to expect from them. Um. It's just kind of gross how uh, well run they are. I guess they they also lost um uh. What's his name in the expansion? Yanni Gord. So like that's a, that's a pretty big loss too. But like this team is reloaded to be. I they have to be odds on favor to win the cup again right now, right? Colorado might be, maybe, but like, given that Tampa lost a line and Colorado lost so little, but like Colorado lost Sod too, which is like, and didn't really replace him with anything. And then they also went from Grubauer to Kemper, which will be, we'll talk about that when we get there next tomorrow, but like, it's not like Colorado got that much better this off season either. No, I don't think Colorado got better either. Maybe think, maybe Tampa doesn't have the division because of how hard their own division is, but yeah, like neutral site, maybe Tampa's still favored, but Colorado yeah. has the best odds, kind of thing. Yeah, I could see. I that. could see but, something like that. But yeah, they. Uh, I think going into the playoffs, no matter where they finish, they should be just a favorite to. Like it's crazy to think that a team could just repeat, but like this is definitely the best that we've seen since the pens and I almost, I feel better about this than I did the pens because the pens got Tom Wilson and broke their team for no real reason. So. Exactly. And all Tampa's uh, stars are slightly younger than the pens players. I think it's only by a little years, but, but still like that could make a big difference. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. All right. Onto the Leafs. Um, We kind of need to start speeding up here, but I feel like this will take a little while. Um, Overall, you know, I like this offseason. Uh, so they go out and they get a goalie. We knew they needed to get a goalie. Peter Marazic, three years, $3.8 million. Very reasonable contract. Like Peter Marazic, he's a very spotty goalie. He will sometimes look like a Vesna winner and then look like a bottom five guy in the league. But it kind of averages out to him just being like eight to 16 in terms of starters most years, which like this roster should be good enough. That's all you really need to be a tandem with Jack Campbell. Exactly, because that's the best part. You have Jack Campbell, who could. I mean, like last year he was a top ten statistical goalie. Will you expect that to continue? Maybe not. But if Peter Morazic is the twelfth best goalie in the league, and Campbell's like the sixteenth or vice versa, like that is a perfectly fine tandem to have for the entire year. Exactly, and Morazic gives you someone you can go find another like two million dollar backup for him next year. Because I assume you sign this contract because you're planning on losing Campbell or signing him cheap. Uh, which is fine. I like I like the contract a lot. It's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm trying to think of what else we didn't talk about uh, before. I was like, I was a little worried on day one. I mean, I mean, you had talked about a bunch off air. Like, I thought my Leaf fans complained way, way too much because it's the classic like, don't overpay on free agency, but also why the hell didn't you go just overpay for like Gabriel Landeskog or someone? Yeah. Um, which I obviously is just stupid. I was a little worried. Like, I like the Michael Bunting contract. I think that's a very good bet. I was a little worried when they brought in like David Camp and Curtis Gabriel that maybe they didn't really realize that depth scoring was still part of an issue last year. And they were still trying to go for this defensive identity, but like bringing in Nick Ritchie and Andre Kashi, I thought were two very good moves. And even like the comp contract, like I don't like love it, but it's not the worst thing in the world either. I can see where it becomes just a very fine contract, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Like I think they probably overpaid camp like 200 K, but it was one of the, 
we're pretty hardcore into this, like pretty big nerds, but the camp discourse was one of the times where I was like, holy shit, I need to go outside because <laughs> I've seen hundreds of tweets of like over this like two day period complaining about this contract and like people were yeah. like unironically doing the thing where it's like that seals the deal i'm no longer a Toronto Maple Police this. fan because they signed david camp for literally 200k more than what evolving hockey had him as and given the absolute lunacy of the contract given out on this the day that day like it looks like a below average deal like in terms of just like value right so like yeah, like, like if I, this is the worst thing your team does on free agent frenzy, count your fucking blessings. Holy yeah, Jesus. like no, no kidding. And then and uh, like I, I re- by far the worst thing they did too. Yeah, and like I, like, oh, maybe you could say Curtis Gabriel. Like I don't really understand signing him to a one way, but at the same time, it's seven hundred and fifty k, and they can bury that in the minors. So exactly, it's below variables, so no yeah. downside. But, uh, yeah, I really like the Nick Ritchie move. Um, I, I thought they would have been a really interesting fit for Thomas Tatar. Um, they have, I think they're going to have about one mil in space right about now, uh, maybe with some LTIR use. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if their summer is just about finished. Um, but I thought Nick Ritchie was a, a solid bet at two times 2.5, like anything over three, and I would have been a bit more hesitant um, in terms of like, depending on what Tatar goes for as well. But, um, and then Andre Kashe, it's a pretty good low risk bet. Like he has only played something like four games in two years. He has not been able to stay healthy, but when he has been healthy, he's been not nine games in uh, two years. That's kind of tough. But when he has been able to stay healthy, he's been uh, very, very good. So like, if you can get even like a third liner in Andre Kashe for 1.25, that's good value. And um, you know, I, you don't want to see a guy get hurt, but I think worst case scenario, you just LTIR him again. Exactly. And it's one of those things where like Kasha has been hurt. So there's risk there, but at some point, if you're going to win a Stanley cup, you need to get lucky as hell. And they've put themselves in a position to do that with a couple, like the Michael Bunting and like honor Kasha contracts. Yeah, exactly. Like pay out way more than you've invested in them. Yeah, like, yeah, like everyone says that uh, you, you need to hit on the depth pieces. It's like, well, this is a good bet to do that. Like, will it pay off? Not guaranteed, but no, like what team other than maybe Tampa where it's like, you know, they sign a guy and they're going to be unreal. But like that is one out of 31 team or 32 teams now. There's no other team in the league where when they make a depth signing, you go, yeah, that's definitely going to pay out in just absolute value like it will. Like, so like you got to put yourself in the best position to find that value. And I think they've done a pretty reasonable job at that, you know, like. Yeah. I thought this was a really, it was, it reminded me a bit of last year when it was like, Oh, what did Dubas need to do? Address the defense. He signed Brody to a perfectly good to reasonable contract, like a B plus kind of thing. Like seemed like that. Yeah. And like, yeah, good. I, the McCann thing leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth because how much better would this lineup even look with McCann? But at the same time, you know, once you look past that as a sunk cost, I think like this day was pretty good. So I, I think like anyone complaining, I think needs to give their head a shake and just go, go for a walk really. Yeah. Or just like browse other teams cap friendlies after free agency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so let's move on to the Metro. We'll probably go a little quicker through this one, but uh, so the Carolina hurricanes, which oof, they have not had a good week or so. Um, so they 
completely gut their goaltending. They now re-signed. They signed Frederick Anderson two years, 4.5, and Ranta to two years by two. Um, two okay bets. I was surprised Anderson got two at 4.5. The biggest problem with both these guys is they're 31 and 32, and neither of them have been able to stay healthy for two years, which uh, is pretty unfortunate. Yeah, that is a tough one, but like at this point, it's been such a trend that you got to be really scared of that. Yeah. And like, I don't understand what the hell people who get paid to watch this game have been watching where they go, Frederick Anderson has the way higher upside than Peter Morazic. It's like, what have you watched in the last two years? Like four years ago, I probably would have agreed with you. What have you watched over the last two seasons to make you say that? Yeah. This was another one where, there would have been a legitimate revolution on Leafs Twitter if they signed the Freddie Anderson contract. Yes. And like some of that is just like the definition of sanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So like literally running it back with the exact same pieces would have been that exact definition. But yeah, like this contract is like, I feel like people are giving the Canes a pass because they made some questionable moves that have maybe paid off. But uh, um, one thing they don't get a pass on is signing Anthony D'Angelo to their team one year, one mil. And you could tell that this was like coming from Tom Dundon. Their GM came out and just sweated bullets for like 30 minutes while people asked. Um, and uh, Greg Wyshynski had asked uh, if he went during D'Angelo's opening press conference, <laughs> Greg Wyshynski asked if he supports the capital uh, city riots or the, the riots at the Capitol. And uh, he said no, but the fact that that wasn't a completely random question to ask probably says all you need to talk about uh, for the signing. The fact that that question was asked and it didn't, and it got a different reaction from the Nate, you're a gamer. Yeah. It should tell you everything you need to know about the signing. Like D'Angelo, objectively horrible human being, or at least has been, has he changed? God, I don't know, maybe, but also let's be honest, probably not. Doesn't seem like it. Uh, you know, another great puck soup quote today from, it was from Sean, I believe, and or from Thursday. And he said the whole press conference was about how like he's too competitive and that's why he crossed the line and not that, you know, he was a sack of shit and he's realized that he's tried to be better. Um, so I have very little hope that he has changed, but um, you know, like you just, uh, it's, I've never seen an organization get milkshake ducks so quickly. And uh, like they, they were, did that get uncomfortable pledge with black girl hockey and then black girl hockey was openly trashing them. And rightfully so this weekend um, from an on ice standpoint, they also traded for Ethan bear, who is like one of the few people who have actually like spoken out about this stuff. Um, like, I just don't know how you can, I mean, obviously I get it. Like, and the thing is like most NHL or, or sports organizations would do this. Like, they're not any different from each other as much as we want to say. So it just sucks. But um, they went from um, the online people's like favorite team very quick to not favorite team at very quickly. Like they, they lost a lot of support within 24 hours and who knows if that'll really transfer over to like ticket sales or anything like that. But uh, definitely online, they uh, lost a lot of clout if you want to put it. Yeah. Like it's, and it, it's true that every team and basically professional sports is willing to do this shit, but it, it's kind of sad when you see like one of the good ones just completely tarnish that reputation in like 48 hours. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know. I think if you get into Tom Dundon's background, it's a little sketchy anyway. So, you know, people probably shouldn't be shocked, but uh, 
still sucks to see. Um, I don't really care to talk about Tony D'Angelo more than we have to. So, uh, you know, if we want to look at the Forge quake, they signed Derek Stepon. He had the massive knee surgery this year, so it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back. Hope he can. Um, Josh Levo, 750K, like that deal. Um, and in the vacuum, I, I really love the Warren Fogel for Ethan Bear trade. I thought Ethan Bear is a very solid pickup. I think maybe being overrated a little bit, but just compared to, like, what Duncan Keith is today, I don't think Ethan Bear is much worse. And uh, considering this blue line lost Dougie Hamilton, which is a massive loss, I don't think is being talked talked about enough at least they got like upgraded somewhere deeper in the lineup it's not going to replace Dougie Hamilton's value of course and they also signed Ian Cole too but uh I I don't know I I think this team is due for some regression which kind of sucks because we were kind of heading into this offseason saying they just need like one piece added like it's like a Sam Reinhart if they could have found a way to add him they legitimately could have been like cup favorites it's definitely division favorites and now like I think I've seen a couple models project them outside of the playoffs. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's not that impossible, especially just given their goaltending situation to imagine them missing the playoffs now, which is pretty big shake from last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I think what's saving them is there's no, and I I got yelled at for saying the Metro isn't that great of a division anymore. Um, And like someone was getting, it was an Islanders fan. Of course. They're absolutely worst. (laughs) Always. they were getting absolutely pissed off saying, I don't know how I was like, I'm just saying there's no, like, like the four best teams in the East very may well be the Atlantic in the Atlantic this year easily could be the three best. Like like Pittsburgh and Washington are just naturally regressing. Philly is being whack. The devils are a step away, step or two away. The Rangers, I think are still a little bit overrated. The Islanders are good, but it's not like they've been a dominant regular season team. Like, I just, I, I was absolutely taken back that people thought the Metro was still like an unreal division or something like that. So like maybe by that, because I don't think it is maybe by that uh, thing alone, they will uh, uh, make it in. But I really do think that this, uh, I mean, I, I know you're on the same wavelength here, but like Dougie, Ham- losing Dougie Hamilton is going to hurt so much yeah. more. And I think people are even like accounting for it, to be honest. A hundred percent. And I think that division is going to save them a lot. Cause the funniest part about how bad the Metro is at this point is even if you think the Islanders as good are as good as the most, oh no, poor us! Look at how much, how persecuted our genius organization is. Islanders fan is, and you take a realistic forecast of the Capitals season and add twelve points with the comment, "It's the Capitals." It's still not a good division. No, like it's still yeah, like uh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know. What to, I no comment. Like it's just. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I, I literally was all a loss for words at, at how someone thought like that was a legitimate take, but uh, um, it was. So uh, let's move on to a team that, uh, you know, we talked about the Seth Jones trade and how they absolutely killed it. Um, they've had a solid off season. Um, we talked about the Voracek trade as well. I didn't really understand that one quite as much, but he is a passer for line A. So someone pointed that out to me and that's not bad, but uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, they had a pretty quiet actual um I'm going to call it July 1st. I don't even whatever date it actually was, but opening day, um, you know, they re-signed Jake Bean to a three-year 2.3 million per contract. Thought that was very uh, respectable. And then they gave their big move was giving uh, Zach Lorensky the absolute bag. Uh, six years, 9.583 cap hit. Um, I was shocked at how high this is. It kind of feels like it's out of pettiness um, to, towards uh, uh, uh-huh. Seth Jones, but um, not like... Like, I will take this contract before the Seth Jones one every day of the week. Oh, by a mile. And 
yeah, this was a lot of money. I'm skeptical he's going to be worth it because it's hard to be worth that as a defenseman, especially one who hasn't won it like a Norris already at this point, mm-hmm. to be honest. But this one's defensible, at least. Like, he is their number one guy at 24 years old who was drafted high and, you know, has played huge minutes for, for forever. It also looks like by the time they're going to be good again, it'll be in year three or so of that deal. So it's not like – and it's only six years. So it's not like – it's not like – and he's 24 right now. too. It'll kick in when he's 25. But, like, it takes him from his age 25 to 30 or 31-year season. So it's it's not like you're extending him deep into his 30s or anything. So, like – I think at worst, like this could be the classic one where it's like what the Ekblad contract was, where it's like it looks like maybe it's a slight overpayment, but you can kind of live with it because he's your number one defenseman anyways. Exactly. And also, um, we kind of shrugged our shoulders at the Atkinson for Voracek trade. If the Blue Jackets are trying to rebuild, and it looks like they are, getting one year off of a bad contract, even if you have to pay more money in the short run, I actually really like. Because yeah, Voracek's I- one year shorter. Yeah, sure. I just, I would have thought like, cause you're saying like Philly needed that cap space. I'm pretty sure. I just would have thought like a, some kind of a pick would have went back the other way. I was just a little surprised it was one for one. That's for sure. Yeah. Like an underwhelming, but like plus EV move. kind of. Yeah. It's not like it was like a bad trade by any means. I was just like a little confused, but yeah, that's fair. Other than that, I think that's about uh, – they re-signed Boone Jenner as well, four years, 3.75 per, uh, so the exact same contract he's currently on. Again, fine. Like, he's 29 years old. He's probably going to be that classic, like, veteran to help bring in the new guys when they get him. So, whatever. Uh, Patrick Line took his qualifying offer at 7.5. So, um, that'll be the biggest thing really to watch this year is can they kind of revive Patrick Line and, you know, how bad are they? Because I don't – like – this team's not great, but they have decent goaltending. Like they're going to be miles better, I think, than Buffalo, Arizona, and probably even Detroit. Like, oh, I would think so. It's they're just going to be like forgettably bad instead of just absolutely horrific. Yeah, and yeah, of course I they do one huge thing with that Rensky contract, but they're the Blue Jackets and the least interesting team in the world. So it's not enough of a slam dunk like the Makar thing for people to be like, holy hell, this is awesome, or not horrible enough for people to bully it like the Seth Jones thing. It just kind of gets forgotten about too. Literally, I was about to say we can almost skip them because they've done nothing. Going, no, never mind. They just gave Wierenski the bag, so we have to talk about it. But, yeah, it's just like very fitting of Columbus where they, they still manage just to be very uh, forgettable. Um no matter in the nicest how way possible. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But uh, I, I have in mind what they've done this offseason overall. I think uh, it's clear they kind of need to take a step back and actually rebuild. They have some good pieces too. Like I, I really I, – I like the Boquist trade, because, like getting Boquist because that could be the high-end back-end talent you really need to go with Wierenski. So maybe you're only bad for a year or two and you get a high pick in a stack draft and then maybe you're you know bad for a second year. You get like the eighth overall pick and then you're at least looking up again in what could be a weak Metro. Yeah, and that's very possible. So we'll see. Uh, New Jersey. Uh, this is a Speaking team that made boring, but may, gave a defenseman the bag. Yep, um, they uh, got the number one free agent, Dougie Hamilton. It kind of sounded like for you know the last week, this is kind of what was going to happen. Contract went pretty deep into the day, though. But at the end of the day, nine mil cap hit for seven years. Um, that's a lot of money. I. I don't know. Like me and you were both super high on Dougie Hamilton. Like I bet if we did a top 10 defenseman right now, he would be at worst three probably for either of us, like top three. 
Yeah, top five without blinking, probably yeah. three with some something like that would be where he'd land, I would guess. I just like it makes this contract makes all the sense in the world to a team that could legitimately win the cup next year. The problem yeah. is New Jersey is not one of those teams. That's the thing. And like I don't think Hamilton's gonna age super poorly. Like no, like, like, I don't I don't really see him being a dowdy where when he's 31 years old, you're like, oh my god, this contract is just the worst. But like yeah, like I just don't think that his positive value now really benefits your risk of him being basically what PK Subban is now, but when you actually need him to be good slash have cap space. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I just don't get what this does for them. I'm just so like, I, I'm so meh on this team. They gave Bernie two years at four point one. Again, that's just a clear. We still, they still have $21 million in cap space and Subban's nine and a half are coming off the books at the end of this year, nine coming off the books at the end of this year. So like, I guess like, it just like this team is just kind of fine is the problem. Yeah. And like, they also only have eight forward sign right now. So they're probably going to have to do something about that, but yeah, I'm sure they can maybe sign to tar or some, but even like, I guess Jack Hughes had like a really good year with his underlying on ice numbers and he has good micro stats, which kind of reminds me of what Jack Eichel did the year before he exploded onto the scene. So maybe they're just really betting on that, but yeah. And like, like I I really don't hate this team. I just, I feel like they're still a big and like a big forward piece away from really being like a, because I feel like they, this is a team that in within like this year, they could be competing for a wild card spot. And I, wouldn't really blink an eye. Like, I don't know if they would get there, but like not that many things like Mackenzie Blackwood has to be just kind of near as good as he was for parts of last year. Dougie Hamilton should be a huge boost to the the blue line. They also brought in Ryan Graves and then you just need, yeah, like Jack Hughes underlying numbers to at least turn into some points and then go get a Thomas Tatar and maybe one other just fine third line player. And this forward core looks okay like not horrible and they're all kind of 20 years old to 26 like they're not very old so like i can see a a scenario where they're competing for playoffs in the next two to three years but like once they get in i don't really see them being a true cup contender no that's the problem that's all those ifs and then like say freddie anderson is who we thought he is which is at this point which is bad and like the penguins get terrible goaltending like they could really compete for a wild card as early as this year, but the fact that there's if statements attached to competing for a wild card means that you should not be the one big game hunting on free agency day. Yeah, and like or just like I don't know, and like maybe they're betting on like Alexander Holtz becoming that one big piece that they're really missing in a year or two, and like or and they got Nico Dawes in the system as well. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I get, there is something too, to where it's like, if you think you're going to be good in two to three, you're kind of like the Panarin contract, right? Like where it's like, if you really do think you're going to be good in a year or two, but like, it doesn't make sense right now, maybe just go get the guy. Cause Dougie Hamilton will not be available in three years. Like we, we do joke about, but like Dougie Hamilton is arguably, he doesn't have the name value of it because he wasn't a first overall pick or anything. And just, for whatever people seem to hate him because he goes to museums, but like this is as big of a signing in terms of just pure talent at his position as like John Tavares was in the off season. Like, 
yeah. not not the same as name, but like same like top five player at his position when he signed, right? So, yeah, like I guess like yeah, you kind of go out and get it now, and if you think you're good, you are going to be good in a year or two. Bite the bullet for a year. I was just, it wasn't the perfect fit, that's for sure, and like definitely not the most exciting fit. But I I will say I am excited to watch Devils games more than I ever have been in like decades. So that's good for them at least. Yeah, that's fair, and like. Maybe a couple of their prospects hit. There, it looks a lot better, but it's it's a plausible, but imp- like not super likely to work, in my opinion, either. Yeah, like um, I don't know. I think more likely than not, this comes like a negative EV at the end of it, and we're kind of looking back saying, "Yeah," but uh, we'll have to see. Um, all right, moving on. Let's go to a team that has done freaking nothing uh, at the deadline or at the free agency. In fact, um, their last contract signed was July 17th. And then before that, May 13th. And that is the New York Islanders. Uh, they did nothing. And I can't really blame from them for that. They've basically, well, I mean, I can because they've the ones who capped themselves out, but like, don't make it any worse than it needs to be, you know? Exactly. You're in a hole. Stop digging. Yeah, uh, like, and they still need to re-sign Pellick, Sorokin, and Bovillier. They have 17 million cap space. People were saying, like, watch out for Lou. He might go do something big, and, like, maybe that's via trade. But I, I'm curious because I think between those three, that's got to take up probably 10 mil between the three of them, right? Oh, easily. Like, Pulak signed for five. Pulak's at five. I'm assuming Pellick's going to get, like, I could see him getting five to six ish, like medium term or whatever. Yeah. Maybe a little more if they lock him in all the way. But like Sorokin's probably not getting more than a mill or two. And I don't think Bavilli is getting more than like. And if they want term on Sorokin, if they want term, that Sorokin contract might get really expensive really fast, given he did well last year and has huge KHL priors. Yeah. I just, how many times do we really see Lou give a like eight years though? Like, no, it wouldn't be like, like that. I was they, thinking about five or something. I guess, yeah. But like they bridged Barzell. I just don't feel like they're going to go spend the bag on Sorokin now, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And maybe that's the smart thing to do. Like at this point, they're so all in in this team and Lightning has already struck twice. Might as well just lean into it at this point. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into this later in the summer too, but I, it's going to be really fun to see how people project, including me, because I don't know how to do it. But uh, we're at about an hour and 10 minutes and we got four more teams left. So let's keep rolling here. Uh, the New York Rangers are the next team. You know, speaking, of, we just talked about the Panarin one. Um, geez, Tom Wilson broke this team. Yeah, did he ever? So the Bujnevich trade happens, which we called an absolute disaster for them. They then go sign Barclay Goudreau to six years at 3.6, which uh, we also talked about. That was an absolute disaster. They then sign Jared Tenorti to a one-year one year deal. Or sorry, two-year deal, one way, 900K. This I don't know how he is in the league. They sign Greg McKegg, um, and then they, they trade for Ryan Reeves and re-sign him to a one-year deal at 1.75. Like, Tom Wilson has broken this team, and I am – I've been low on them for weeks. I'm even lower now. Yeah, they seem like a team that has a lot of talent in a bad division, so they will likely do pretty well next year and have it get propped up as like a a win for a management group that clearly has no idea what it's doing. Yeah, and like it's got like Dolan's fingerprints all over it, and that's 
should just be so scary if you're a fan of the uh, um, Rangers. Also, they have five people on their buyout history right now. It's insane. Yeah, and it's like it's not even as bad because they're off of the six million dollar cap hit that Shattenkirk had last year or whatever. Now it's only one one point five for Hank, one point four for Shattenkirk, one point one for Girardi, three hundred k for D'Angelo, and nothing for Brad Richards. Yeah, so they're off the the expensive years of Shattenkirk with the really rough ones there, which is still hilarious to see five names at the bottom. Yeah, and just like. I don't know. Let's I'm, I'm, again. Let, we're running so late that let's try to keep it to just what they did this uh, off season, and that was basically the Ryan Reeves contract. They also signed Philip Cheadle to uh, two years, two point three. Um, the Ryan Reeves thing is just like, I man, I just don't really get it. Like, I, I get he's a fine player, he's a very niche player, but like, uh, I don't know. Like, if that was the only move they made, it's like sure, I guess. But signing Jared Tenorti, in which they are absolutely going to use him on the roster as one of the twenty three guys. And then also trading for Barkley Goudreau and stuff. And it's like, we can't get pushed around. It's like, you're just going to make yourself a worse team. Like that's all you're doing right now. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get worse and they weren't good enough to begin with that. You can afford to make your team actively worse and get away with it for that long. Yeah. Um, On to Philly. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, They signed Keith Yandel. They probably made their decor worse by signing Yandel and uh, Risto versus get pick also picking up out like those two in along with Ellis in might be like a net negative play, which I would have been shocked if you told me the team that picked up Ryan Ellis was going to have negative value on their decor this year. Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. This is another fun example. Like the Ellis and Ristolainen contracts are like, yeah. Like how does a team identify both those guys as players that they actively want to go get? Yeah. Like that's the two pillars of the right side in your top four. Like what, what, how can you watch hockey and have those two things be true in your head at the same time? Yeah. I guess like Keith Yandel takes a lot of shit, you know, and he had a good year analytically this year. He's good on the power play, which I don't know. Do they need a power play quarterback? Well, the problem with the Yandel thing is they dumped Gostas Bear. Yeah. Like it's just the it, worst Gostas Bear. Yeah. Like it just, it doesn't make sense. But like in a vacuum, maybe I'm a little too hard on Keith Yandel, but like, He's fine. 900K. 900K, yeah. But then they go inside. a level, like, vibes do it to me. Yeah, that's fair. Like, uh, maybe maybe it won't work out that badly, but yeah. And then they go inside Martin Jones, which, like, Brian Elliott was one of the worst goalies in the league. How did you manage to get someone less, almost less inspiring than that? Like, maybe Jones will be okay in a backup role, but my God, he has just been not good for, like, four years now. Yeah, Jones has been horrible i don't know what they expect from this no and like they're like we need a guy to help carter hart play to play more games so carter hart doesn't have to play so many it's like well that is not the guy no no exactly (laughs) maybe carter hart was so bad they're just really leaning in on regression to the main yeah and like they i guess like that's probably kind of what you have to do but i don't know um on to pittsburgh again they didn't do too much either uh dan heinen was probably their biggest signing one year 1.1 um Brock McGinn as well uh like not much to talk about they just kind of shuffled the deck chairs at the bottom six here and that's all they have the cap space to do really so that's, that's all the cap space they've had to do since we were like 12 year olds and that's yeah. what continues to do so like I don't really need to discuss that in length if you don't no we can talk in depth about their future later but 
Yeah, like that's definitely a good one to circle back on sometime this offseason. Uh, and then final team here, the Washington Capitals. Oh, man, they made one very, very big signing, and that was about it. They also retraded for uh, Vitek Vanacek. Um, we'll get into the Seattle nonsense that's going on. I didn't mind that either. Like, that seems fine. like a good option for your backup with uh, uh, Samsonov. So um, I, I like that move. Um, but uh, they re-signed the Russian machine. Five years, 9.5 per. Oh, I've never seen a legacy contract as much as this one. Like, this is could be, like, in terms of, like, actual, like, value on ice, this could be, like, bottom five contract right now. Oh, yeah. Rarely, though, does this kind of a contract get signed. That's, like, a objectively, aggressively negative expected value in terms of cap hit to on-ice value. And I'm like actively happy to see it signed for that team. Yeah. So like everyone, everyone knows it's a legacy contract, but he needs 33 on average over the next five years of this deal to beat Gretzky's record. Not the most improbable thing, but I would say if you're giving it like odds, it's got to be below 50%. How much? I don't know. But like, even for Ovechkin, like, I think someone did the math and it was basically like, you know, he's going to get 12 to 15 power play goals a year because he just stands there and shoots. So it's like, can he keep his foot speed up enough to get like 15 to 18 regular season goals a year, which it'll be interesting to see because he is so useless at every area of the ice, but standing and shooting the puck, which people will argue that's the most important thing. And that is fair, but like he is so bad at the other stuff. It almost doesn't matter, but for what like for Washington just get as much out of you can for the next year or two and then you're probably going to be actively shit in three years anyways so at least fans can go see their favorite legacy player try and beat a record that everyone thought was unbeatable exactly and I sure hope he does it although I'm a little scared with we trying to get the record like you said because one of the things he's in that Bergeron tier what we talked about earlier where Ovi's aged relatively well and people are like ah he never got hurt so far and he's aged so well. He's just not going to age in the future. Like, no, this guy's 35 years old and he's a lot worse than he used to be even like five. Like this, this guy was had, a legitimate top five player. Like he was probably a top one player in a league that's had Sidney Crosby in it at least once or twice in his peak. And he's not even a top three left. But like he's, he's not a top 10 left winger. I don't think like in terms no. of just pure like value, obviously. Yeah, if you assume hockey's a sport about scoring more goals than you allow, not just scoring goals. But yeah, like I don't think anyone was actually disappointed at this contract because everyone kind of knows where Washington's going. And it's like, yeah, we get to see Ovi do something we never thought was possible. So um, I love this deal. Just lock him in. I don't want to see him on a different jersey. Let's see. No, I don't want to. I don't want to see him go to the KHL. He might still do that when he's like 40 or whatever this ends, but at the same like. I want to see him play in this league as long as possible. So I, I got the treat to see him live twice now. Um, and uh, it is fun. It is a lot of fun. He sniped a goal 20 seconds into a one, nothing Ottawa game. Uh, that's why it ended. That was a boring game, but it was cool to see him blast a puck. And then he also scored against Buffalo one year and one of the most lazy games I've ever seen any player play. And he still scored <laughs> one. And I think almost a second. So it is a ton of fun to watch him live, even when he's just floating around the blue line. Um, I hope he plays forever. Um, but yeah, that's our Eastern recap that took uh, an hour and 20 minutes. I wouldn't say that's too bad. Only 
five minutes where I was overshoot or five minutes overshot. So pretty good. Um, if you're not sick of hearing our voice, we will be out again uh, tomorrow. We're going to do a, the Western uh, recap tomorrow and get out the day after that. And this will be out tomorrow before we uh, record the Western recap. I'm open. So um, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for all the support lately. It's been uh, uh, greatly appreciated. Um, Chase and I will definitely be planning to keep, I was going to say, keep the uh, podcast going weekly through the summer. Dude, it's already August. This is this is awesome going this late just in terms of having content because usually it's like we're done that early July 1st stretch and there's nothing to talk about for six weeks. I don't think this summer is going to be that bad. We're going to have some uh, best and worst contract lists. We're going to deep dive a couple teams. Um, so lots of content coming up, but we will definitely have another hour plus probably on the West coming out tomorrow as well. So look out for that. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. You can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com and milehighhockey.com. I'm hoping to have something out on targets the Avalanche could still get as a winger option. Uh, so look out for that this weekend as well. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you all tomorrow.